the title of the message is called The Power of Love. Power of Love, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's read. This, this is the NIV version, by the way, 1984 version, NIV version, uh, instead of ESV version for this message, because I like this one phrase in here, so I'm going to use it if it's okay. Uh, but it's not, it's not 2011 version, so I hope it's okay with you. All right, here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I like that phrase. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. That's why I use uh, NIV version for this. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, but we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. Uh, in order for us to influence others, we need we need this passage, this chapter. Because sometimes as Christians, we can be, you know, you heard this, either thermostat or thermometers. Thermometers just measure the temperature. You're like others. You're influenced by others. But thermostat, you change the atmosphere. And if you want to please God, you need this chapter. God looks at our heart. So we need to constantly examine our heart. Some people say, it's, I, I don't want to look at my motive or look at our heart anymore. It's just, I'm just sick of it. Then you're stop uh, wanting to please him. It's very important to please God and to influence others, to love God and love others. We need love inside of our hearts. Love is associated with holiness as we look into the scripture. What does holy person look like? According to 1 Thessalonians, face of holiness is love. Some people think holiness means stern, black suit or something like that, wrong perception of holiness. But holiest person is most loving person as we look into the scripture. So we need this. If we were to dissect this chapter a little bit, just the outline, that's not going to be the outline of the sermon, but if just the outline of the chapter, verse 1 through 3, importance of love, why love is important. Verse 4 through 7, the characteristics of love. Uh, 8 to 12, the maturity of love. And then 13, the permanence of love. So you can kind of understand what this chapter is. Now, chapter 13, here's the incredible insight. Chapter 13 is between chapter 12 and chapter 14. Huh? Huh? Did you know that? <laughs> but chapter 12 and chapter 14 are about gifts. 
of the Holy Spirit. So it's ability. And, you know, people showing off their gifts, showing off their ability. People arguing who's better, who's greater, just like us in the Church of Jesus Christ. And for Corinthians, the Church had a lot of problems that they were arguing about who's better. And Paul is saying, it doesn't matter about what you can do, 12 and 14. What matters is why you're doing it. What matters is who you are doing it for. Are you doing it for your own glory to show off? Or are you doing it for God? Show Him up. Glorify and honor and picture Him, praise Him, worship Him. Chapter 13 is important in order for us to please Him. Chapter 13 is important in order for us to have effectiveness and power in what we do. When there's power. So, uh, let's go to, we're going to answer five questions as we look into this chapter. This chapter you heard in all the weddings that you've been to. <laughs> Which wedding you've been to, this chapter. But five questions here. Oh, there's no five questions. Uh, I'll just say it. I thought that was outline mentioned. But first is, what is love? That's first question. What is love? Second question is, why is love so important? Why is love so important? What is love? Why is love so important? Thirdly, what does love look like? love look like? Fourthly, what does love tell about a person? Fifthly, how do I love? We'll answer these five questions as we look into this passage. First question is, what is love? In order for us to know what is love, we, we need to know what it, is, what it isn't. And it, world's definition of love is this. World's definition of love is love is feeling, emotion. Right? So, for example, when a lovely girl walks by, a guy goes, whoa, I'm in love. I don't know why they say whoa, but whoa, I'm in love. That means I'm in love. And then, but the problem is there's another girl walks by. To him, a little more attractive than this person. That's, then this time he goes, whoa, I'm in love, right? <laughs> now, what does that mean? What he means is, whoa, I'm in love means I feel like going to that person, talking to that person. But when another person, I feel more like talking to this person, hold their hand or something like that. There's more emotion, more feelings toward that person. And that's the definition of love. Now, according to the Bible, when you look at the, the you know, biblical definition of, the, of love, uh, you know, emotion and feeling is associated with love, but not always. That means it's, a, it's possible possibility to have emotionless, feelingless love. For example, when the Bible says, love your enemies, how many of you go, you look at the enemy and go, whoa, I'm in love. <laughs> you know, I want to go to that person, talk to that person, hold that person's hand. No, you want to hold that person's neck, right? But not necessarily hands. You don't feel like going to that person, yet you, the Bible says, love your enemies. So sometimes, you know, we need to distinguish between feelings and desires. Now, we need to have desire, love. So we can love. Without feelings, without emotion. Do I feel like choking that person? Do, do I feel like doing something else to that person? I'm going to love that person with God's love. Though I don't feel like it, I'm going to go and do it for the glory of God. And according to the Bible, that's not legalism. Sometimes it could be, but that's not necessarily legalism, but it could be emotionless, feelingless love. So it is associated with that, but not, not always. Then what is it? Again, chapter 12, chapter 14, gifts, chapter 13, is about the motive of your heart. Love is the motive of your heart. Why you're doing it. Who you are doing it for. That's what love is. 
and I've been talking about this throughout the revival, but we have two, if you're a Christian, you have two kinds of natures, two natures. You're born with sin nature. That remains until you die or until Christ returns. But now as that remains, you are born again with your spiritual nature. Nature is made up of desires, according to Galatians 5, chapter 5. So you have two kinds of desires constantly battling. Sinful desires, but spiritual desires. Even as you sin, because you love it, because you have desires, you feel bad. You don't want to do it. There's that side. That's your spiritual nature operating. Even if you, even as you're, you know, enjoying God's presence, there are times that we want to do something else, something sinful. We miss it because two natures are battles. That's why I said yesterday, Christians are not necessarily people who are not sinning. Christians are the ones who are fighting our sin. So when you have these battles in your heart, you're normal. You're a Christian, and God is working in your heart. So we have to fight. So uh, you meaning meaning. We constantly have to operate on right motive. Constantly thinking about it so that uh, as we think about it, then our heart's desires are stimulated. So constantly know why you're doing it, who you're doing it for. If, you, if we are unconscious, most likely we're doing it for ourselves. Of course, That's why constantly we need to check our motive. Check why we're doing it. Who we are doing it for. In our hearts which is the core of our heart. But the problem is God says not, God doesn't just look at what we do. God looks at our heart. He's looking at your motive every single moment. That's what he wants. So, uh, love is the motive of our heart. Then, what does it mean to have love? These three times it says in this passage, if you have not love, in verse 1, and then, Later on, he said, but have not love, have not love. What does it mean to have this? Oh, I have my iPad. Is it a material thing? What does it mean to have love? What does it mean to have not love? Uh, I think what it means, because we have two kinds of desires, have love means which motive you're operating on right now. It's talking about the condition of your motive, condition of your heart, because we can be doing it for ourselves or we can be doing it for, we can be doing it for God. So when we say have love, we're operating on this side of the condition of the heart, which is I'm operating on right motive. Because we can have two motives. So for example, this, this passage talks about faith, hope, and love as same thing or similar kinds of things, right? Faith, hope, and love. So faith can be condition of the heart. Hope can be condition of the heart. Love can be condition of the heart because of the two natures that we have. So let's use the word faith as an illustration, how it can be condition of the heart. You know, great illustration is in the Bible where Peter walks on water, or P- Jesus walks on water. Jesus is walking on water, and Peter goes, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on water. Incredible, right? It was in the storm, and it's dangerous. He goes, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on water. Test it with me. Make sure that it's you. And if I was him, I would say, Lord, uh, if it's you, let Judas walk on water or something like that. Let him fail, if, just in case it's not him. But it says, Jesus says, uh, he says, let me walk on water. Incredible faith. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, come. You know why Peter was, was able to come? Not necessarily because of a faith. Of course, that's related to that. But because Jesus said, come. There's power in the word of God. Amen. Power in the word of Jesus. And because Peter believed in his word, he's able to walk on water. So what is he doing? Faith on, in Jesus. Looking at Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Faith in his word. Faith, 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 faith. What, but what does he do? 
He doesn't look at Jesus. He's not thinking about what Jesus said, but he's looking at the winds and the waves, he says. Winds and the waves and what the science teacher said. You can't walk on what a density, you know, all these things, gravity, you know. So what does it mean? Faith, faith, faith. Words of Jesus. Science teacher, he starts to go on what? Go under. Right? Faith, 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 no faith. Condition of the so often we are like that, even hope, 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 word of God, hope, 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 hopelessness, no faith. Faith, 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 no faith. That's constantly battling because we have two kinds of desires, two kinds of thoughts, two kinds of nature in our hearts. So, you know, love is the same thing. When you look at somebody you don't like, you go, well, I don't like that person, that person, we operate on logic of our selfishness, but we go, cross. Jesus Christ loved me while, while I was yet enemy, so I'm going to love. Help me, Lord. You dare you have love. Condition of your heart is love. So we, this is how we have to constantly battle in our hearts. Okay? So that we, in our hearts, we have love. Condition of our hearts can be operating on the motive of love. That's what it means to have love. So if you do that, according to 1 Corinthians 13, again, chapter 12, chapter 14 is on the side. Chapter 13 is in the middle, right? So I, I thought of it like a, I'm more picture-oriented. So I thought about like a shot, you know, medical shot. There are some nurses who give shots. And what's the most important thing about a shot? Some nurses cannot find the vein. So she, where is it? <laughs> Ten times there. Uh, of course, the placement of the shot is important. But more important than the placement of the shot is that shot actually has the medicine in it. Right? So medicine is going into your bloodstream is the most important thing. So shot is important where you put your shot, but medicine going into it can heal the person. And chapter 12 and chapter 14 is like a shot. Where you exercise your gift is important, but more so than that, that you have love, motive of love in your heart so that through your gift, power of God can be going into them to heal. So uh, love gives power to everything we do in our lives. So that's what I need to do. I need to pray. I, I prepared this pathetic manuscript, right? And there's nothing unless I pray in such a way that my condition of my heart is that of love. So that his power can be manifested through this activity of what we call preaching. The same thing in our lives. Whatever you do, check your heart. Check your motive. Make sure you have love so there will be power in everything you do in your life. Uh, I was, on a Mother's Day, I wrote this little thing called, called Why Your Mom's Body Will Break Down When She Gets Old. <laughs> In the Facebook, I put it, posted it. This is what, is, what I said. Uh, thanking moms. This is what I said. Moms and teachers, two most important occupations. Uh, why mom's body will break down when she gets old. Womb. Womb will break down for carrying you in the deepest part of herself for months. Breast for losing large portion of her body fluid to feed you for months. Arms for carrying you day and night for years. She could not say no every time you cried and demanded to be held. Legs just the number of times she went to groceries. Carry them. Uh, and, and carry them will be the cause of her having arthritis later, if not already. Lips, for repeating things like, did you eat? Study. Eat your vegetables. Don't swallow Lego peas. 
stomach for eating too little because you wanted more, eating too much to eat, uh, to eat your leftovers. Eyes, for her tears will wear down her eyelids because your sadness, your joy, your presence, your absence were the cause of our ceaseless tears. Eyes again for blocking her vision as you were always in front of whatever she was seeing after your birth. You were never out of her sight. Heart for missing you, for always wanting more of your love. Probably mother's love is closest to the love of Jesus Christ in the Bible. Just constantly checking how, no matter how people can hurt, can you love like a mother loves you? How many times you hurt her, but you can love? You can always, we need to check our heart. But the Bible says, even if your mother forgets you, I will never forget you. Uh, the world says, love is shown in the hand that holds the rose. But God says, love is shown in the hands that were nailed to the cross. You don't learn what love is in Hollywood. You learn what love is in Jerusalem. Go to the word of God. And we need to constantly check our hearts. Make sure our hearts are right. Motive of God. Motive for God. Okay, that's what love is. First, secondly, let's go to a second question, which is, first we ask what love is. Secondly, why is love important? Importance of love is mentioned in verse 1, 2, 3. First reason is verse 1. Without love, you can't pray. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, tongues, the word tongues come out, then we have theological debate. What is tongue? Is it human language? Is it language that no one knows? Angelical language? What is tongue? Is there a tongue? Is it from devil? We get into theological argument. But as Paul talks about tongue, he's mainly thinking about just prayer in general. Maybe using them, he's mainly thinking about prayer because uh, chapter 14, verse 2, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to the Lord. So he's thinking about prayer. Okay. So basically, going back to verse 1, if you, even if you pray, you don't have love, it's useless. That's what he's saying. So we, we cannot pray without uh, love. Second reason why it's important, verse 2. If I speak the gift of prophecy, whoa, the word prophecy comes out. Now we get into theological debate again. What is prophecy? Is it foretelling of the future inside of a person? Is it what explanation of scripture? Is it what is prophecy? Right? But as Paul is thinking about prophecy, how we ever define it, he's thinking about using the words to edify other people, ministry to other people through your words. That's why uh, same thing when you go to 1 Corinthians 4, 14, verse 4, it says, He who speaks in a tongue edify himself. When you pray, you edify yourself because you receive God's grace into your heart. That's what he's saying. But he who speaks prophecy, when you're using the words to edify other people, edifies the church. So he's thinking about using the words to minister to other people. So then going back to verse 2, if I use the words to edify other people through prophecy, however you define it, right? Without love, it's useless. It's powerless. Okay? So without word, or without love, you can't minister to other people. You can't pray vertically without, and then without love, you cannot horizontally minister to other people. Now, third reason why love is important is you gain nothing, it says. In verse 3, it says, if I give all I possess to the poor. This is a scary part, isn't it? Some people love to serve other people. 
Some people love to give to others. Some people love social justice, work, helping the poor. And that's good in, that can be good in itself, but your motive is more important. That's what he's saying. If I give all I possess to the poor, there are people who give everything to others, yet the Bible is saying you could be doing it for yourself. You're not really doing it for other people. That's scary. Even more scarier in this verse, he says, uh, if, if I surrender my body to the flames, that means you can actually die for somebody else, yet you might be doing it for yourself. You can't. You might be doing it without love, motive of for your own glory. Wow. So you gain nothing. So basically, if you put these three things together, without love, you cannot pray. That means you cannot receive God's grace. Without love, you cannot minister to other people horizontally. Right? You can't really useless in your ministry. And without love, uh, you gain nothing. Gain nothing. Is it mean, does it mean fruit? Does it mean reward in heaven? Probably both. Both. So without uh, love, no prayer, no grace from God, no power, no ministry to other people, and without love, no fruit, no reward. Basically, what he's saying is without love, right motive, Christian life means nothing. That's why love is important. Checking your heart is always important. Uh, I have five kids, as I said. Uh, I have three girls. Uh, you know, Two boys, three girls. Boys are not that fun. Girls are so fun. After I started to have daughters, I go, this is what it means to be Sorry, Pastor John. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> three girls, you know, we have. And then I nicknamed them. One of them is, you know, one of them is uh, uh, charming. Another is pretty. Another is unique. So this this one girl, she likes to, oh, I like to be different. So you know, like to, you know. And usually people give like, you know, other girls give like useless gifts. When they were young, like toothbrush, something you can use or something like that. But she gives me this kind of gift. Look at this. I don't even know what that is. She gives me things like this. And I, I go, one time I asked, what is it? She goes, you mean you don't know what it is? She was so offended. So I can't even ask what it is. So when she gives me things like that, I go, now I have a, oh, thank you. And I just wait. And when she goes, I just put it in the drawer, right? So she gave things like this again. She goes, Daddy, here we go. This is for you. I said, oh, same thing. Thank you. And then she went out. I was about to put it in the drawer this time, but she comes back. She goes, Daddy, this is with all my heart. So I still have no idea what it is, even until now. But everywhere around the world, I some, often I show this picture and say, this means a lot to me. Because this useless thing, because it was coiled with love, became one of the most important things I have. That's what love does. Think about what God is like. Why God is self-sufficient. He does not need anything. Do you think he needs our love? Do you think he... What does he need while he's absolutely self-sufficient? He does not need anything. So when he demands anything of us, he wants us. He wants us to give him ourselves. He wants our love. He wants our heart. And whatever we do, it's that pretty useless to God, but whatever we do with love becomes powerful, useful, that moves the throne of God, moves the heart of God has power to change the lives of people because he shows what he is like.
what God is like. So that's what love does. Love gives power to anything, everything you do that moves the throne of God to bless his people. Let's go to the third point. Talk about what love is, technically what, what's, why love is important. Thirdly, what does love look like? So here are a bunch of characteristics of love. How many characteristics? There are 14 characteristics of love. So if I have to explain each, we'll be here till tomorrow's service, right? Lock in. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. But we'll, we'll dissect it a little bit, talk about a few things. Uh, if you analyze it, there are two is's of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Two And eight knots of love. Love is not. Eight knots. Love is not. Love does not boast. Love does not proud. So two is eight knots. And then there are four alwayses of love. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Is not always. Why is Paul describing love like this? I think Paul is describing love and Paul is personifying love and describing a loving person. He's picturing a loving person, right? And then often when we uh, explain uh, explain what someone is, else is like. We do the same thing. Like, oh, you like him? What is he like? She goes, well, he is tall. He's not very good looking. But he always smiles. Or something like that. We do the same thing with, when we describe somebody. Is, not, always. We describe somebody. And that's what Paul is doing here. Paul is describing a loving person. He's picturing a loving person. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, 14 characteristics. We'll talk about three or four. Right? So that we can examine our hearts. We can examine our motive. Am I a loving person? First thing is love is patient. Let's talk about this. And constantly you got to learn to check your motive. Right? It says love is patient. Loving person is patient person. Doesn't mean when you're patient you're loving. Loving person is patient. But just because you're patient doesn't mean you're loving. For example, there's a tall kid and a small kid that are fighting. Tall kid comes to the small kid and slaps his face. And little kid goes... Love is patient. Now, that patience is not loving the tall person. That patience is loving himself. Right? Because if he's not patient, he gets killed. Right? But how about, however, opposite. Let's say a small kid comes to the tall kid and he slaps his face. And tall kid, even though with one punch can defeat him, he goes, love is patient. Even though there's nothing for him to gain and everything to lose by being patient, he is patient. That's loving. So loving, love is patient means loving person is consistently patient. Whether you gain, whether you lose, because of love for Christ and love for the other person. That's his character. That's who he is. That's his attribute. That's what he's saying. Another characteristic. This, this is a really, uh, I love this uh, characteristics. It says, uh, verse 5, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. End of verse 5. It keeps no record of wrongs. I like this translation because, uh, you know, in Greek word, in original language, it just uses one word. Lose, lose one word. But then, but then this translates as, it keeps no record of wrongs. What does it mean? Because we keep the record of wrongs. When somebody does something wrong, first time, it's okay. Somebody does the same thing the second time. What does it do? Something else comes up. It's different, isn't it? And then when that person does it third time, now something else flies out. And throw you. Different things will go out. 
because we keep the record of wrongs. We keep the record of our rights. We keep the record of wrongs of other people. Often we do that. I think that's what Peter was saying when Peter came to Jesus and says, how many times should I forgive? Usually, usually in Jewish culture, you forgive up, up to about three times. Right? That's amazing. So he comes in up to seven times. He thought he was, Jesus was going to say, well, you're better than me or something like that. But, you know, Jesus goes, ah, you know, forgive about 70 times seven. Peter was a fisherman, you know. 70 times seven. You know, calculate. A couple hours later, he came. Jesus, that's like 409 times. Is that what it means? I think what Jesus meant was don't keep the record of wrongs. Just be consistent. Keep on forgiving. We keep the record of wrongs. Now that word, that Greek word, one word used for this word is very important because that's Paul's word. And Paul uses it, especially in Romans, book of Romans. I remember preaching through Romans like seven years. And one of, it's one of the important words in book of Romans. And he uses, uses it for the doctrine of justification. So basically, when he used that word, Jesus, uh, Paul is saying, you know, God never keeps the record of your wrongs in Jesus Christ. Because you can go to him again and again. And again, CFC people are sick of me saying this. But again and again and again and again. And did you miss me saying this, Nathan? You go to him again and again and again because in Jesus Christ, he never keeps the record of our wrongs. He forgives again and again. We can go to him, constantly be cleansed, forgiven, getting up against, refueled, re-strengthened, empowered. So I think that's what God is saying. Just like my son, don't keep the record of wrongs. In fact, when you do that, what you're doing is you're not just forgiving the other person. You're doing ministry to that person because you're showing my forgiveness to you. And that forgiveness to that person is transferred and shown, expressed through your forgiveness. So forgiveness is not just uh, our responsibility. Forgiveness is our ministry. It is power that shows the forgiving love of God to us so that that person can experience that through our forgiveness. This word, next word I will discuss, I don't like this word. I'll show you why. It says, love always trusts. Verse 7. It always protects, always trusts. You know those Girls, you talk to them, and they're nice girls, but sometimes they're naive, gullible. So here's some stupid guy that likes her. Everybody's saying, no. She goes, oh, he's nice. He's fine. You don't know him. Everybody's saying, no. But she trusts. I thought that came, I don't know why, why, but when I read, it was a counseling session or something like that. When I read this word, that kind of word came from me. I said, that sounds like that's stupid. People are evil. People are sinful. People are selfish. They're going to hurt you. And you always trust. You're gullible. You're weak. That's what I was thinking. That's why I didn't like the word initially. But then you minister to people like 10 years. CLC has been. CLC? CLC. I always say wrong. CLC, 10 years. After 10 years, you learn something you wouldn't learn, right? In between 10th and 20 years, you start to learn. 
She has been like 30 years. When you go to 30, 20 to 30 years, you learn something you could not learn 10 to 20 years. So when you see people like for 30 years, you see people, you can kind of tell, you know, initially you, they come and you can kind of tell, you kind of have inkling about some people and go, I'm not sure if I can trust that person. And then they come and what do you do? But you still have to love them. You still have to trust them. Knowing, fully knowing things could happen. People can stab in your back, stab your leg, you know, all kinds of things. But you still trust, you still love. What happens? Sure enough, some of them will stab your back, stab your legs, hurt you. So I didn't like that word, but you still have to love them. You still have to trust them. Why? Because we're Christians. We still have to give them benefit of the doubt. We still have to love them. It, it, might, it gives them chance. It gives them relationships so that they can grow, so that they can repent, so that they can love Christ. And many of them do. Some won't. Then what happens when they stab you? Well, you just got to keep going. <laughs> so I'm walking like this. When they stab you, I'm walking like this. When they stab you, I walk like this. And I, I can show you if I take my clothes. Don't worry. I don't, I don't want to make you throw up. A lot of stabs, spiritual scars. That's what a pastor is like. But if you're like that, how much more are you like your Savior? How much are you more like the great shepherd who we stand? So we have to trust. So we trust not because we are weak, but we trust because we are strong. It's okay to be stabbed and we just keep on loving, keep on going. We got to do what is right for that person, but we still need to trust because we are in love with Jesus and Jesus is in love with them. So we we got to keep going. Another word that's encouraging is love always perseveres. The last one, I love that because because the weakness of this this generation is this generation cannot persevere because my generation had no options. So we have no choice but to stay there and do it. That's the only thing we could do. So we cannot help but to persevere. But your generation have so many choices in everything in life. So it's very hard to persevere. But in some things, you need to stick to it. Few things you need to, it's, it's not bad to have options, but few things you need to choose and stay there. You need to persevere. You need to become good. You need to become experts so that God can use you for his glory and Many generations, many people, you know, previous generation going, can this generation persevere through hardships and difficulties in, in life? And I say, hey, if we make them love Jesus, they can do it because love always perseveres. And you can do it because you, you love Jesus. So many times we want to quit. There's so many times we want to just cut off relationship. There are people that, you know, are nice to you. And then what happens is that, one day they just cut off relationship. We can't do that as Christians. There are times that, you know, our, when we reconcile, there are times that maybe relationship can never be the same again. Right? But you can't cut off people. You still pray for them. You still hope for them. You still love them because we're on the same side. If they, love, if they are Christians, we're, you know, everyone is for the glory of God. God will use them. So we got to persevere in our relationship poem, I don't know what it is, 
I really wrote something for Facebook. This is what I said about love. Love is learning to do it anyway. Even if there's no recognition, no thank you, no compliment, no appreciation. Even if there's misunderstanding or accusation, if you love, nothing will be able to stop you from doing it. You're unstoppable. To love is, if it is good for them, even though there's nothing to gain and everything to lose, love is just doing it anyway. So, God moves your heart to love. Just keep doing it anyway. Don't quit. Persevere. He will use you to bear fruit for his name. Let's go to a fourth question. What does love tell about a person? Now, this passage was most puzzling to me because it's, all the other passages, you can kind of understand why it's related to love except this passage, this part, right? It talks about uh, verses 8 through 12. Basically, it's talking about maturity of love, right? And then verse 8 through 12, 12 talks about love never fails. And then it compares perfection and imperfection. What the, what's that have to do with love? Child, child and a man. Right? It compares those Perfection, imperfection, a child and a man. So I go, what is that? What does that have to do with love? And then you realize, on, if you understand Paul's thought of when he describes love, he's think, thinking about a person. Ah, that makes sense. Paul is thinking about uh, meeting love in form of a person. Love is an active force. Before love is something to, you do. But now in this passage, love is someone you meet. So less loving you are, more selfish you are, you are imperfect. More loving you are, you are becoming perfect. Selfish you are, you're operating in your sin nature, you're a child. More more you are able to love, you're a grown man or woman. That's what Paul is thinking only when we are loved, we can love. And this passage talks about someone who has loved us when we were yet enemies. This passage talks about someone that did that. So why does person, Paul personify love? Paul is thinking about a person. person. Paul has a person in mind as he's thinking about chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. He describes the church of Jesus Christ as the body of Christ. So as he's describing this person, Paul is thinking about Jesus. More like, more loving you are, more you are like Jesus. More love, like you are like Jesus, you are less imperfect. You're perfect. Jesus is the perfect person. More you are le less like you're Jesus, you're selfish, you're a child. Childish. Not childlike in a positive way, but childish, selfish. Me, 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 me. But more you are loving, you are like Jesus, the man, the man of God that glorifies him. So I believe that's what Paul is thinking about. Let me ask you, why does a marriage have marriage, uh, some marriage have problems? Why does some family have problems? 
Why does church have problems? Very simple, because there are too many kids in marriage. Too many kids in your small group. Too many little kids, selfish little kids, me, 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 in the church of Jesus Christ. I pray that CSU will be full of men and women of God who are so loving, so giving. And who wouldn't want to be a part of a group of people like that? But if all of us are thinking, me, 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 not many people. After a while, they don't want to, you know, you, you baby, right? They're cute for a while. When they start to cry, all they do is eat, poop, and, you know, cry and demand. Unless they're your, they're your kids, they're not cute anymore. You give them back to their mom. Let them their bodies be destroyed, like I talked about earlier. Nobody wants to be like with selfish people. But everybody would love to be around selfless, loving people. I pray that CLC will be CLC. CLC will be full of men and women of God who are like Jesus. If you don't fight in your heart. You fight other people. If you can fight and overcome your heart, you can love other people. There was a kid, child, who was eight years old, uh, you know, very smart and cute boy. Doctor and mother came to him because her his sister needed a blood transfusion. So doctor and mother came to this kid and said, can you give some blood to your sister? And this kid, heard that and he started to tremble. Started to tremble in his lips. And then after like a minute or so, he says, okay. He agrees. So operation, you know, small operation. So he's able to give, you know, blood to his, matching blood to his sister. And operation went well. And he's sitting at a, in a chair. Doctor comes to the boy. He looks you know, strange. So he comes to the boy, are you okay? Boy goes, yes, I'm okay. Uh, okay, great. But the boy goes, can I ask you a question? Doctor goes, what? He says, doctor, when do I die? <laughs> so he had no idea what giving blood was because that's all he saw on TV. He thought giving blood meant you die so that uh, someone else can live. So in his mind, when mother and the doctor said, can you give your blood? He was thinking, can I give my life for my sister? And uh, in his heart, he was able to do that. What he did was small thing, giving part of his blood. But the motive of his heart was he was dying for his sister. You know, more so than you think, that's what a Christian is. A lot of good 3.16 verses in the Bible, John 3.16. But First John 3.16 is a great verse too. And that's what this verse says. This passage says, this is what love is. Defines what love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we like that. But the next part says, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. That's what it's saying. So how do we love? In our hearts. We need to get to this. In our hearts. We should be willing to die for other believers, others in the body of Christ. That should be our attitude. I know it sounds harsh. I'm just explaining the Bible. 
in our hearts, we should be willing to be able to die for others. And what we do is a small thing. Might be giving bread, might be making soup for somebody. Might be saying hello. But if we have that kind of heart, oh, the love of Jesus Christ will be shown. The shot of love of Jesus Christ will be, will be given to that person in such a way that will heal the person, that will transform from the person. That, what I just talked about, is the essence of what Christian community is to be like. That's the difference between gangsters. Sometimes gangsters are more loyal to one another than the body of Christ. They gossip less than the church of Jesus Christ. But this ought to be the characteristics of the church of Jesus Christ. In our hearts, we should be willing to die for one another. And what we do for others will show that. What small things, small things we do. And if we have our this church, CLC, is filled with people like that, you probably have to close the door because everybody would want to join this group. Pray that this church will be filled with men and women of God who are so much like Christ, so helpless, willing to die for one another and doing little things for one another in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the fifth question. How? How do I love? Simple things. Heart, mind, action, repentance, and faith. Heart. First thing you have to understand is you have the capability to do it. Because we have spiritual nature. That is capability to connect to the Holy Spirit. Through the word and prayer we can receive. Romans 5, 5. He can pour his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So you have capability of love. The reason why I say this is when I counsel people, there's always somebody who says, Pastor Min, I can love everyone else, but I cannot love my father. There's always somebody who said, I cannot love blank. Well, that is theologically wrong <laughs> because we have spiritual nature, capability to receive God's love, supernatural love. So it is possible. You have to understand it is possible. I'm not saying do it now. Sometimes it takes time because in our sinful nature, in our hearts, we've been so hurt. So take time. I'm not rushing you. Take time. But as you deal it, deal, bring your heart to the Lord, one day you will be able to because God can give you power. God can give you grace to be able to do it. So we have the capability. We need to know that. Secondly, that mind. We need to be intentional, meaning we need to think the right thoughts. We need to think why we should be doing it. We need to put verses in there. We need to think about what Christ has done for us. Think the right thing right, in your mind according to the word so that your spirit's nature can be stimulated. If you keep thinking about what that person has done to you in your heart, in the past, what are, what's happening, your sin nature is operating. I did not get what I want from that person. I, did not, I got what I don't want, which is pain because of that person. And your sin nature is constantly stimulated. You can't love that person. You need to think through. You need to deal. You need to digest. You need to understand. But you need to have thoughts that are stimulating your spiritual nature, dominating over that thoughts that thoughts of the past that's stimulating your sin nature, so that you can do it. Spiritual nature. Ask God for grace and power, thoughts, so that that can be operating. That you have love at that moment. And then thirdly, action. Just do it. Nike principle, right? You just got to do it. And when you don't do it, it doesn't flow out of you. But as you keep doing it, right, more and more it becomes your habit. 
habit of thinking, habit of your stimulating your motive, you'll be able to do it more. Now, Lazarus, dead for four days, stinking, right? Smell. And Jesus comes to Lazarus after four days he died. Jesus goes, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. Now, when you hear a command from God that's hard, does it sound like it's a burden or it's power? Love your enemy. Does it sound like a burden or there's a does it sound like it's wow strengthening? Often it feels like it's a burden, right? Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Can you imagine Lazarus lying down and he goes, Jesus, I'm dead. Your, your command of coming out is a burden to me. Can you imagine Lazarus saying that? No, Lazarus hears the voice. In fact, his word is power in such a way it Brain activity starts to move. Heart starts to pump. And then he starts to have power to be able to walk out. You know, if we take the word of God, command that is burdened into our sin nature, that's a burden. We can't do it. But if we take it into our spiritual nature, it becomes our power. Word of God is power. Peter, come. He's able to walk on water. Lazarus, come out. He's able to come out of the grave. Listen to God's word in your spiritual nature and say, Lord, help me, strengthen me. You'll be able to walk on water. You'll be able to come out of your bitterness. You'll be able to come out of your spiritual death. You'll be able to walk. You'll be able to fly for Jesus. So do it. Just do it. And the last thing, repentance and faith. Uh, look at these words. What, am I, what, am I, what do I mean by repentance and faith? Instead of the word love, love is patient, love is kind, put your name in it. So let me put my, Pastor Min is patient, Pastor Min is kind. I got to stop right there because no, I'm not. <laughs> if my wife hears that Pastor Min is patient, Pastor Min is kind, she would want to throw up, right? So it's like that. When we put ourselves in there, wow. Somewhere in there, we would want to stop. We're so deficient. However, instead of your name, let's put you, uh, uh, Jesus' name in it. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not envy. Jesus is not cold. It's like you can rap through it. There's rhythm to it. So easily you can go through it. I think that's it. When word of God is like a mirror, right, as we look into it, it helps us to repent. Oh, my goodness, I'm so deficient. Repent. But when we know that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the law in our behalf, we can be strengthened. We can put our faith in him. And the one who has completed the law can strengthen us to obey the law, to be like him. Repentance and faith, repentance and faith. He's going to strengthen us. Not only does he close us with his blood to cover our sins, but he closes us with himself, his likeness, so we, be, we can become like Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. Heart, mind, action, repentance, until not only it becomes something you are able to do, something that you are habitually doing, but it becomes your character that you become like Jesus. Keep on doing it. Amen? There's this old song called, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? Let me read this beautiful love song to you. It says, tonight your mind completely. You give your love so sweetly. Tonight the light of love is in your eyes. 
or will you love me tomorrow? Is this a lasting treasure or just a moment's pleasure? Can I believe the magic in your size? Will you love me tomorrow? Beautiful words, right? Basically, this what let me tell you what this song is about. It's it's about a guy who's trying to lure girl, a girl, to have one night stand. <laughs> and now the the girl who's being lured is saying this. I'll read it again. Tonight, your mind completely, you give your love so sweetly. But tonight, the light of your love is in your eyes. But after we sleep together tonight, will you still love me tomorrow? Didn't say will you eat or drink so quickly. I'm just basically exegeting that uh, verse. Is this a lasting treasure or just a moment's pleasure? Can I believe the magic in your side? But will you still love me tomorrow? Words of two young lovebirds, words of, you know, trying to lure a person. But, you know, according to the Bible, this should happen on a wedding night, right? This, sh this should happen after marriage. And, uh, you know, I, I always say, I use these words to officiating wedding because marriage is not merely a confession of present love. Oh, I love you. Let's sleep tonight. No, marriage is not a merely confession of present love. Marriage is a promise of future love. It's a commitment. So what he should say is, every tomorrow for the rest of your life, I will love you forever. That's what love is. That's what he should be saying. And she's asking the right question to the guy. Love without future commitment is like a series of one-night stands, except a little longer in duration, even if they separate after 10 years which will end in due time. Love, according to the Bible, and what Jesus has for us, yeah, I will love you every tomorrow for the rest of the eternity. That's what love is. So we need to learn to love. I say on a wedding day, and when I officiate, you know, I say this. Some people curse you by saying, I pray that today will be the best day of your life. Wedding day, I go, what a curse that is. That means rest of the life is going to get worse. And I, I said, I bless them by saying, I pray that today will be the worst day of your life. So that every tomorrow that you face will be better. Better than before. So, you know, we got to learn to love. Consistent. We got to learn to do it. You gotta learn to love forever. You gotta learn to love like Christ. And that's what love is. Uh, I, at our church, our multi ethnic church, I never use Korean words in a sermon except once in a while I use Korean words. And this is one Korean word I teach. The Korean word is called chak sarang. Chak sarang means like one sided, chak, one sided, one directional. Sarang means love. One sided, one direction. So, guy loves a girl, girl does not love the guy. Guy says to the girl, I prayed about it. I believe God is telling me that you're going to be the mother of my children. <laughs> the girl goes, if you are the only guy that exists in this world, I'll marry the tree. That's jack sarang. Some, couple of you guys are not laughing.
And then I, you know, you you face this in counseling session. I talk to some ladies and they have jaksara. I meet, oh, I like him, but he's not doing it. He's like a log. He doesn't move. He doesn't do anything. Oh, okay, oh, okay. And then a person, one person I met for like seven years. Once once a year or something like that. Seventh year, she goes, you still, yeah. It hurt me so much. I'm driving home, just, you know, praying for her. It's just hurting. And then I started to weep. Because something, some thought came to me. And the thought is this. Wow. If I were to summarize the Bible in one word, from Genesis to Revelation, I will say the Bible is story of Jaksara, one side, one direction. God loves us and we lead, we run away, idolatrous, adulterous. We don't want to love him. God loves us. He sends his prophet. He sends his son. He constantly loves us. We constantly run away. And God says, I love you. And we say, God, if you're the only God that exists in this world, I worship that tree. That's exactly what we do throughout our lifetime. Constantly running away. Constantly sinning. Yet he chases after us. Psalm 23 says, his goodness and mercy pursues us. Chases after us all the days of our lives. And that's what he do, does for eternity. And he loves us like that with one-sided, one-directional love for him. I would say, you know what key to marriages, key to ministries, key to love, key to ministry is jaksara. Doesn't matter what they do. By God's grace and his love, we just keep on loving. Keep on doing. Love is doing it anyway. You do it. And when you do that, and you're able to do that by His grace. And when you do that, His love is shown through you. And He will love them through you. So, no matter what the other person does, you keep loving. And God will show His power through you. People can be changed for His glory. Last picture, you know, we, we've been married 32 years. And one time I was in some other country and wrote this in a Facebook. I usually don't write it like this. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is what I wrote to her. It is hard to love. It is hard to love. Very romantic. You know, like American concept is like you're so lovey-dovey. Wow, it's been best 32 years of my life. And most of the times they're lying, but they say things like that's American culture. Korean culture, Korean American 1.5, Korean American, Korean culture, you don't say anything, oh, it's been terrible and things like that. It's been great, but you say it's terrible, it's like that. So I'm like 1.5, I'm realistic. Very romantic, this is what I say. It's hard to love a sinner, very romantic, right? As a sinner. Many highs and lows and through thick and thin, only because his love is greater than our flaws. Uh, after 32 years, she's still the love of my life. And that's what I said. And think about how much she had to jaksara to me and I to her. That's key to marriage. That's key to ministry. You got to learn to do that. And God will use you.